Let's go to the word of the Lord this morning, Luke 24, verse 49, familiar verse, and then we're going to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, yet another familiar verse. I ask you to bear with me today, something that I have felt now for several days, and um, this is Father's Day, and I do feel like I've got message for fathers that are present and are listening or will listen, but really for everybody today. So I beg your indulgence. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I send the promise of my Father. Now, as I've pointed out many times, Luke was the author not only of the Gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts. And there are scholars and theologians who say you could very well call the book of Acts Luke 2 or Luke part 2. Because where Luke leaves off in his gospel is exactly where he picks up in Acts. Acts is intended to be the sequel to Luke's gospel. And I'll tell you, there are things in the book of Acts you won't understand if you don't trace them back to what he said in his gospel. And so he closes out, Luke 24, he closes out here with this statement from Jesus, I send the promise of my Father. Then we turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Acts 1 verse 4, and you can see where Luke picks up at this very point. Acts 1 and 4, he says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now, that's what he just said in Luke 24, 49, tarry in Jerusalem. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. Wait for the promise of the Father. And so, this is what I want to talk to you about today, is the promise of the Father. Now, don't prejudge where I'm going today. Because normally when we talk about the promise of the Father, we... As apostolics, we've got in our mind where we're going. We know what that's all about. But I'm going to tell you that I may very well present an angle to this that you may not have considered before. And so I ask you to bear with me today. As I try to give you the burden of my heart in sharing with you the promise of the Father. Let's 
pray together right now. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Ask Him to speak to every heart that's listening today. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord together. name in Jesus name in Jesus name let's worship him one more time everybody let's worship the Lord everybody let's worship the Lord oh let's praise him together right now let's praise him together right now I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before I get to the point of my message today, I want to first reiterate something that I've said over and over and over and will continue to say over and over and over. And that is very simply that whenever God makes a promise, He'll keep it. Let me try that again. When God makes a promise, He will keep it. He may not fulfill it today. And He may not fulfill it tomorrow. He may not even fulfill it for a year or two years. Or 25 years. But when God makes a promise, He's going to keep that promise. God will do whatever He says He will do. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says this. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. By two immutable things. Two things that cannot change. He said, in which it was impossible. There are not many things that the Bible calls impossible. And so if you ever read. The scripture saying something is impossible, then you need to sit up and take note. And here is one of those very, very rare examples. One of the things that the scripture says is impossible is that it is impossible for God to lie. Not that he doesn't want to lie, not that he chooses not to lie, 
But God couldn't tell a lie if he did want to. And we've explained it before. The reason is because the moment God says it, it becomes the truth. So it's not possible for God to tell a lie. Whatever comes out of his mouth, if it's not true the moment before he speaks it, it becomes true when he does speak it. There's that much power in the word of the Lord. Can I get a witness here today? Amen. God hates lies. He hates lies. Let's read Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, now let me just interject. He didn't say these are the only six things God hates. But I do think the wise man is letting us know that if we're going to start sorting out the things uh, that God uh, is, is disapproving of. Let me just tell you what's at the top of the list here. There are other things the scripture tells us God hates. In fact, anything that you read in the scripture that God says is an abomination to him. The word abomination means that it is hated extremely. So if God ever said he find something to be an abomination, then that never changes. God still hates it today. In spite of what this quote-unquote woke world wants us to believe, uh, homosexuality is not just another lifestyle. It's an abomination unto God. God still hates it. He hates it. Man, I was commenting to someone the other day that the Bible said that in the beginning that God created them male and female, period. End of discussion. God only created two genders. Any other gender that may, people may want to say exists wasn't created by God. It's something man created. And it's a mess. We are in a sick world. I don't want to get off into all that, but it's a sick, twisted world. And there are still things God hates. And listen to me, don't, don't use this Old Testament argument on me. Don't come to me and say, well, that was in the Old Testament. No, no, no. If the Bible said God hates it, that doesn't change. Now, there may have been things that he told the Jewish people to do that God no longer expects us to do, such as animal sacrifice, avoiding pork. Thank God. <clears throat> I'm about to get anointed talking about bacon now. If you're not, we're going we're gonna to get started here, but I, I'm trying to, trying to hold back. Hallelujah. But, but I'm telling you, there are, there are things in the Old Testament that I agree that God no longer requires. But if you ever read where God said it's an abomination to him, that doesn't change. Witchcraft 
is still an abomination unto God. It's not something harmful and cute and fun and entertaining. It's something God hates intensely. Well, praise God. I'm way off topic today. I got to get back to my notes. But these six, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. God hates these things intensely. Right. Now, what are they? A proud look. Oh, Jesus, help us. A lying tongue. Wait, 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 wait. I think we're still reeling from the first one. I got to let folks catch their breath. We knocked the wind out of their sails with that first one there. They're expecting homosexuality or something. Witchcraft. That's what I've been talking about. But, but number one. Number one on the list. God hates a proud look. You know, it's said of Aristotle and Plato, uh, these two philosophers were arch enemies. They had different perspectives on life. And I don't even remember now which one it was. Write it off to old age, but it's probably really just stupidity. But anyhow, whatever it is, I don't remember which one it was. But one of them, one of them was dressed in his finest clothes and and had his his very expensive rugs hanging on the wall and and uh, his artwork there and the other walked into his house and grabbed one of those expensive pieces of carpet uh, that he was using uh, there on display and threw it to the ground and he said I trample on the pride of Whoever it was, Plato or whichever one, I trample on your pride. And the other looked at him and said, and yes, you do with even more pride. Sometimes we can be proud that we're humble. Well, I'm telling you, I've dealt enough with people in Africa to find out you don't have to be rich to be proud. I've seen people who find pride in their titles, pride in their positions. They may not own a thing in this world, but pride is a trap for everybody. I've seen people that had nothing in this world, but they could sing, and boy, were they proud of that voice. And rather than using it to glorify God, they would use it to glorify themselves. I'm just telling you the truth. Number one on the list, God hates a proud look. But that's not my lesson today, so you can rest easy. I think I'm done talking about that. We can move on now. Hopefully they've caught their breath. What's the second one? A lying tongue. A lying tongue. So just after pride, this is what God hates. He hates for someone to be dishonest. Let me tell you something. The Bible does not classify lies as small lies and big lies. Right. 
In fact, we'll talk more about it. i got to hurry up. I won't get through this lesson, and I can't do a two-part Father's Day lesson. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that devises uh, oh, wicked. Hang on, I was just catching my breath there. Hands that shed innocent blood. And here we have, here we have a nation that thinks it's all right to destroy babies in their mama's womb. And even politicians who are now saying it's all right to kill those babies after they're born. We don't want anyone to be inconvenienced. You should have thought of that nine months prior. Can I just be plain? You don't want to be inconvenienced. You should have thought of that nine months prior. God hates shedding innocent blood. And what could be more innocent than an unborn child? That's not a blob of tissue. They try to tone it down by calling it a fetus. But it's a baby. I don't know of any doctor that's ever said to a woman, you're going to have a fetus. Well, Lord, help me. I'm about to really get wound up here. <clears throat> and I don't care what the world says. It's women that have babies, not men. Men do not have babies. Yeah, believe the science. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Believe the science. Now, they want to change science when it doesn't fit their agenda. I've said this before. But I, I, there's never been an archaeologist that's dug up a skeleton and said, I don't know if this is male or female. I don't know what it identified as. You can tell by the very bone placement what it is. In fact, you can go deeper than that. The DNA tells us whether it's male or female. All right. I got to get off this and get back to my Father's Day lesson. <laughs> Maybe I need to spend a whole message just explaining what a father is. And that only men can be fathers. All right, anyhow, let's go on. I better hurry up. I'm going to get wound up here. Number. 18. What's verse 18 say? And heart that devises wicked imaginations. Devises wicked imaginations. Read. Feet that be swift Feet in running that to are mischief. Swift to run to mischief. False witness that speaketh lies. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Second on the list of the things that God hates was a lying tongue. And now he comes along and number six is also involving lies. I want you to think about what I'm saying. This is how much God hates it. Seven things at the top of God's list. 
And listen to me. I don't care what the church world says. These are the seven deadly sins. The church world has put together its own seven deadly sins. These are the, this is what the Bible says are the seven things God hates the most. And out of those seven, think about this. Out of seven things God hates more than anything else, two of the seven involve lying. Do you think God wants us to tell the truth? Do you understand how important truth is to God? That's why there can't just be my truth, your truth, their truth, someone else. No, no, no. There is truth and there is error. There's truth and there's falsehood. Truth is not something that's subject to the whims of man or the whims of time. Truth is truth. Truth doesn't change. Well, hallelujah. He that sows discord among brethren is number seven. And I could spend time, I could, I could do a whole series on these seven things. Maybe that's an idea. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to do a seven-week series on the seven things God hates the most. Um, I might. I might. Who knows? Who knows? But for today, I'm trying to talk about Father's Day. So you guys quit trying to lead me down these rabbit trails and let me get back to my notes. Uh, suffice it to say that God always tells the truth. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises for, of God. Wait a minute. For what? All the promises. For how many of his promises? All. For how many? All. For how many? All. All of the promises of God. In him in are yea. In him are yea. And in him and amen. in him amen. Unto the glory of Unto God by us. Unto the glory of God by us. Every promise God makes is yea, and it's amen. The word amen means so be it. I'm telling you, every promise God makes, it's yes, and it's so be it. Everything God says, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. You can depend on it. His word is not going to fail. Whatever God says, it is true. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, Jesus said unto him, I am the way. I am the way. The truth. The truth. And the life. And the life. No man, no man cometh unto the Father, the Father but, by me. but by me. You want to get to the Father, you got to go through the way, which is Jesus Christ. You got to go through, amen, the life, which is Jesus Christ. And you got to go through the truth, which is Jesus Christ. That's why he can't lie. He doesn't just speak truth. He is truth. And he is the word. I could have thrown that in, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I'm telling you, God is truth. God is the Word, therefore the Word is truth, and that's what John 17, 17 tells us. Thy Word is truth. That's why we believe this book. That's why we know everything in this book is 100% accurate. Never been proven wrong. 
never been proven wrong. And it won't be. It is absolute truth. It's the only source of absolute truth. Because God is His Word and He is truth. And so, without even getting to my main point yet, there is something I think I should say about all of this. That is, here's the lesson we ought to learn. That if we're going to be like our Lord, we need to learn to be just as truthful. We need to learn that when we make a promise, we're going to keep that promise. We live in a world where promises are so easily broken. People, you know, listen to me. And I know, I know, I know, I know I sound like an old fogey. That's because I am one. And I'm proud to be an old fogey. It took me 62 years to get to this point. When you've lived 62 years, you can be an old fogey. But let me tell you something. I can remember the day when a man's word was his bond. I can remember the day. I can remember the day. Give me your hand here. Give me your hand. When that was as good as a contract. That's ancient history. But that's something you can't put in a museum. But I'm telling you, a handshake was just as valuable as a contract because people cared about their reputation and they made sure their word meant something. If I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. We need to learn to live that way. Again, we live in a world that is filled with Snowflakes that just melt over the least little thing. And, and so we don't want to tell people truth. We just tell them what they want to hear. So we'll make all kinds of promises if that's what they want to hear. I'm telling you, I get so sick of dealing with... You know, I know we've got some salesmen in here, so I'm not talking about you, I'm, about your competitors. <laughs> I get so sick of dealing with salesmen that will tell you anything you want to hear. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Whatever you want to hear, they'll tell you. They don't think twice about looking you in the eye. I can remember, I can remember as a child, as a child one time, being in a situation where someone thought someone else was, was lying to them, and, and, and this adult looked at this teenager beside me, and the adult looked at them and said, look me in the eyes and tell me that. Because back then, you know, there was this certain sense of guilt that we felt if we didn't tell the truth. And that adult knew, you look me in the eyes, you're, you're probably going to look away. You're not going to. But these days, they can look you in the eye and lie to you. They don't think anything about it. And I'm going to tell you, God still cares about it. In fact, let me just throw this out there. Um, Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful 
and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. That's a bad list. And I, all I, wait, wait, wait. That's a bad list. Abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters. And all liars. Oh, and um, we're not talking about the white lies, you know. We're not, we're not, talking, about, we're not talking about the little bitty lies. We're not talking about... We're not talking about just fudging a little bit on. Uh, isn't it interesting? He didn't say all the abominable and all the murderers and all the hormones. But boy, he made sure he put the word all in there when it came to liars. Because generally, if a person's a whoremonger, they know they are. They're involved in idolatry, they know they are. But there's a whole lot of liars that don't think they're liars. All right, all right. I'm just trying to pastor. Look, we've been having revival around here. We've had guest speakers in here that have been making you feel good about your whole life, and everybody's building everybody up. It's time for some pastoring around here. I, 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 heard, I heard a recording of a pastor just asking the congregation, you want me to pastor you or not? Sometimes pastoring people means pestering them. Sometimes we got to be challenged. We get a little too comfortable. He said, all liars. What's going to happen to them? Shall have their part, have their part in the lake of fire. In the lake which that means liars who claim to be believers. All liars. Liars who claim to be Christians. All liars. All liars. All liars. Well, we better learn to tell the truth. Even if it hurts, we got to tell the truth. They're going to have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's read now. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let me show you something. How about this? Revelation 22, verses 14 and 15. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Those that do his commandments, they're going to be blessed. That they may have right to the tree of life uh -huh. and may enter in through the gates into the city. Right. Now listen to this. For without, without, our, without our, that city that we're talking about outside of the new Jerusalem, here's what you're going to find. Our dogs, dogs and sorcerers, sorcerers and whoremongers, whoremongers and murderers, murderers and idolaters, idolaters and whosoever loveth and, whosoever loveth and, maketh, and alive. maketh alive. Wow, now that's an interesting phrase, because he didn't just say tells a lie, he said, number one, there are people who love to hear lies, that's why you find folks that will just hop around until they can locate a church that will tell them what they want to hear, they love the lie, so they don't have to change. Well, it got quiet. But beyond that, how about this phrase, maketh a lie? You know, it's, it's possible to speak the truth, but convey something altogether different. Just in the way that you say it. Just in the way that you present it. You've told the truth. Nothing that you've said is a lie. 
But you intentionally misled people by being selective in the truth you give them. All right, this is, I, I got to get beyond it. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm just at the top of page two, and I got a long way to go, and I haven't even got to Father's Day yet, so. Um, <clears throat> enough said. Well, maybe not quite enough. Let's give one more. Let me tell you where lies come from, all right? This is why God hates them so bad. John chapter 8, verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Now, now listen, listen. If some of you that are listening to me think, man, this guy's hard. I want you to hear what Jesus just said. I want you to hear what Jesus just told a group of people. Church folks. He said, your daddy is the devil. Now look, I've, I've been straightforward with you, but I haven't said anything quite that extreme. But Jesus did. You are of your father the devil. And? The lust of your father ye will do. And what your father wants is what you do. Whoa. This is getting pretty tough. See, all these people who see Jesus as this sissified, emasculated half-woman. say, who sees him that way? I'll tell you who saw him that way. The painters during the Renaissance who were homosexuals and wanted to portray him as one of them. So you go back and look at all those pictures of Jesus and see just how feminine those pictures make him. He was far from feminine. When the Bible says that Joseph was a carpenter, we misunderstand because we think carpenter means somebody that's sawing wood. In those days, a carpenter was actually a stonemason. Jesus was far from a weakling. How do you think he walked into the, ta- into the temple and started throwing over tables and chased everybody out? He wasn't swinging a purse. <laughs> Judas was the one carrying the purse. Read it. It's in your scripture. Uh, wasn't that kind of purse? I'm just, I'm just funning with you. I'm, some of you think, oh, what? Wasn't that kind of purse? Um, Bible does talk about him having the purse, but it wasn't that kind of purse. All right. Uh, but anyhow, Jesus was not some wimp. He was not some sissy. He was not some effeminate man. And you can tell it. He's standing in front of a group of people. He's got a crowd there. And he's looking at them and said, your daddy's the devil. You do what the devil wants you to do.
and say, now don't, don't hit me. He just stood flat-footed and told them the truth. And here's what he goes on to say. He was a murderer was from a the murderer beginning. He was a murderer from the very beginning. And abode not in the he truth. He abode not in the truth. He refused to live in the truth. Right. Because there was no truth in because him. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh so a lie, when he speaks a lie. He speaketh he of his own. He speaks of his own. Or he is a liar. Or he is a liar. And the father and of he it. He is the father. So when we start telling things that are not true, we are operating within the devil's realm. Now, if I was up here preaching about witchcraft and told you, you know, you start practicing witchcraft, you're operating in the devil's realm, ever say, amen, amen, amen. I'm telling you that according to Jesus, the devil is the father of lies. So every lie is born of hell. We need to tell the truth. We need to be truthful and honest in everything. All right. So now, enough said. And a few minutes left to go here. And I'll get to Father's Day. So let's look back at our text so I can bring everybody back back around to where we were. Let's read again the two verses that we read, Luke 24, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And I send the promise of my Father. We said the promise of my Father. Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Right, which wait for the promise of the Father. Everyone say the promise of the Father. Which saith he, ye have heard of me. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he informed those around him that the Father was making a promise and that they should expect that promise to come true. The Father's making a promise. Now, will you help me here? I know I've stepped on some toes, but I need a little help going forward here. Amen. Hopefully I didn't step on any toes in this building. Hopefully it's just the well, not everybody's listening online, but, but um, if, 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 if the Lord's wanting me to deal with people that are not telling the truth, let's, let's just imagine in our minds that whoever they are, they're listening online right now. And there's nobody in here that would be doing anything like that. So, so, so be that as it may, let's get back to the fact that God always tells the truth. And let us remember and understand that God gave a promise to his followers. He made a promise, and Jesus called it the promise. This is the promise. Now, there's lots of promises in the Word of God. You understand me? Are you hearing me this morning? There's lots of promises in the Word of God. There were a lot of promises made throughout the Old Testament. But when it comes to this one, Jesus called it the promise. This one is different than every other promise. This promise is not like all the others. Yeah, God's made a lot of promises. And yes, God always keeps every promise He makes. But Jesus set 
this promise apart and he said I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for this promise there is a promise that God's making that supersedes every promise there is a promise God's making that's more important than every other promise that's ever made this is the promise of the father oh we get into the book of Acts and we see something about this promise that I know most of you are thinking this is the point of my message. This is why I say you're going to have to bear with me now because we're about to part ways. If you think that's all I'm going to be talking about, we're about to part ways. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 we've read, but let's read it again and read the next verse as well. So let's read verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Uh-huh. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized, be baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy not Ghost. many days hence. Not many days hence. And so we come to understand that the promise would be fulfilled when they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. Right? 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 That's how the promise was fulfilled. And we see this stated again twice in the very next chapter. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted... And having, and having received of the Father, of the, the, Father the promise the of the promise Holy Ghost. We've received of the Father this promise of the Holy Ghost. He hath shed, he forth, shed this, forth this, which ye now, which see, you and now hear. see and hear. And then Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Then Peter, then said, unto Peter them, said unto them, Repent, repent and, be and be baptized every one of you in the name of, name Jesus, of Christ Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, sins and you and shall you receive shall the gift, receive of, the the gift of the Holy Ghost for, for the, the promise, promise is, unto is unto you and to your children and to, your children, and to all that, to are, all far that off, are far off even as many as, as the Lord our God shall call. The promise, the promise, the promise. We understand that the promise of the Father was fulfilled by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. Although the baptism of the Holy Ghost was the way God kept the promise, we need to understand what the promise really was. Now, let me explain this to you. If I promise to one of my children that I was going to provide them with transportation. That's the promise. Now I can fulfill that a number of ways. I could fulfill that by getting them a car. I could fulfill that by getting them a bicycle. I could fulfill that by getting them a ticket on the bus. And any of those things would be the way the promise is fulfilled. But the promise was, I'll provide transportation. Are you with me? The car is not the promise. 
It's the fulfillment of the promise. The bicycle is not the promise. It's the fulfillment of the promise. I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost was the fulfillment of the promise. So we've got to figure out what was the promise. Why did God give the Holy Ghost? Well, hallelujah. Why did he do it? What was the promise that caused him to shed forth his spirit upon all men? Well, let's go back to John chapter 14. Let's look at verse number 16. This is the night of the Lord's betrayal. Listen to what Jesus says. And I will pray, I'm the, Father, pray the Father, and he will give and you, he's another, give you comforter, another comforter, that he may abide that he with you forever. may abide with you forever. Here is the promise. The promise is everlasting, abiding comfort. He's going to be with you. In fact, the very next verse, verse 17 says this. Even the Spirit, even of, the truth, Spirit of truth, whom the world, whom cannot, the world receive, cannot receive, because it, seeth, because him it not, seeth him not, neither knoweth, neither knoweth him, him, but ye know but him. you know him, for ye for dwelleth, he dwelleth in you, with you, shall be but in shall you. be in you. He's not finished talking about this promise of abiding comfort. Look at verse 18 now. Read. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to but you. I am going to come to you. Listen to me. God gave us the Holy Ghost. Yes. But you got to understand the reason the Holy Ghost is there is because he wants you to know he's not going to leave you. He's there for you. He's there to give you what you need. He's there to give you the comfort and the peace and the joy and the strength strength and the power all the things that come with it this is God's way of keeping his promise that I'm going to be with you hallelujah in fact when Luke talks about this promise of the father listen to the last words Matthew records Jesus saying Matthew 28 and verse Twenty, teaching them to observe, them all, to observe things, all things whatsoever I whatever commanded, I've you. commanded you. And lo, lo I am with you I always. I am with you always, even unto the end even of the world. Amen. To the end of the world. I'm telling you, Luke said, you got to wait for the promise of the Father. Matthew said, Jesus promised, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you to the very end. I'm here to tell somebody today, this is the promise that the Father has made. He wants to not just be with you. He wants to be in you. He wants to empower you. He wants you to know you're not having to walk through this world alone. He wants you to know that he's going to be right there when you call him his name. I'm preaching to you about a God who said I want to be with you. I want to be there always at all times. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Listen to this. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said I will never leave he thee. Has said. Nor for me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to understand what this verse is telling us. Let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness. Quit wanting what somebody else has got. Quit coveting the possessions of someone else. 
Be content, he said, with whatever you have. Learn to be content. Why? Why should we be content? For or because he has said. You may not have the nicest things, but you have me. I will never leave thee. You may not have your pantries full of food, but you have me. You may not have the nicest clothes, but you have me. Is anybody hearing this preacher today? I'm telling you, this was the promise of the Father that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. No matter how dark this world looks. Oh, I feel like I'm preaching to somebody right now. No matter how dark this world looks. No matter how bad your situation is. I want you to hear this preacher today. I want you to know there is a God who's not left you. Others may walk out on you. Others may forsake you. But God hasn't. God is there. What you're feeling right now is his presence letting you know I have not abandoned you. I have not forsaken you. I have not forgotten you. I'm here. Hallelujah. Now, now listen to me. I have got a list of scriptures. And I'll try. I'm not giving my word that I'll accomplish it. I'm going to try to just let Brother Goff read through these scriptures. I may rush him on to the next one when the point's been made or whatever, but I'm going to try without too much uh, explanation to go through a list of scriptures. But here's what I want you to see, that we can go all the way back to the beginning. And I want you to know how many times from the very start, God started saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Come on, somebody. I want you to understand this has been the promise of the Father. This has been what He has said from the beginning of time. He's wanted us to know, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there. When you need me, you can call me. You may not see me. You may not feel me. But I'm not going to walk away from you. Genesis 26 and 3. Sojourn in this land, and I will be and with thee. I will be with thee. And Genesis bless 31 thee. and 3. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return to Jacob. unto the land of thy fathers, uh-huh. and to thy kindred, right. and I will and be with I thee. I will be with thee. Exodus 3 and 12. And he said, Certainly I will be with I thee. I will be with thee. Exodus 18, 19. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and, my, and God will God be with thee. God shall be with thee. Deuteronomy 31 and 8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. The Lord doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will be. Is anybody hearing what this preacher is trying to get across here today? Come on, let let your heart receive what the word of God is saying over and over and over and over. Amen. Read. 
He will not fail thee, He'll nor not forsake, fail forsake thee. thee. Fear, Fear not, not, neither be Don't dismayed. Be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31, 23. And he gave us, gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge uh -huh. and said, he said be, strong be strong and of good, good courage. For thou shalt bring the children of Israel yes. to the land which I swear unto them, yes. and I will and be with I thee. And I will be with thee. Thee, Joshua 1 and 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As, uh -huh. I, was Moses, As I was with Moses, so I will so be with I thee. So I will be with thee. I will not I fail will thee, not nor fail forsake thee, thee. Nor forsake thee. Joshua 3, 7. And the Lord said unto, the Lord Joshua, said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight uh -huh. of all Israel. That they may know that, they that may know. as I was, as with, I Moses, was with Moses, so I will, I be, with will be with thee. Judges 6 and 16. And the Lord said unto, the Lord them, said unto him, Surely I will surely be with thee. I will be with thee. 1 Kings 11 38. And it shall be if thou will hearken unto all, this, all that I command thee, uh -huh. and will walk in my ways, right. and do that is right in my sight, yes. to keep my statutes and my commandments, yes. as David my servant did, uh -huh. that I will be with I thee. I will be with thee. Amos 5, verse 14. Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so, so the Lord, the, the God of hosts, shall be with thee as so ye have spoken. the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with thee. One more, Acts 18 and 10. For I am with For thee. For I am with thee. Listen to me, church. Have you gotten the message yet? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word's established. I've given you a lot more than two or three witnesses. If there's anything the children of God ought never forget, God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. He's going to protect me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to meet my needs. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or what anybody else does. I've got God, and he's going to be there. He's going to be with me. In fact... Wasn't that the very name by which the prophet said he would be identified? It's quoted here in Matthew 1 and 23. Read it for us. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, uh -huh. and they shall call his shall name call Emmanuel. His name Emmanuel. Which being, which being interpreted, interpreted is, is God with us. That's who he is, church. Not God who came to us, but God with us. Right now, on this Sunday morning, right here in Olathe, Kansas, sitting at the True Church on Sunday, June the 19th, Father's Day, I want to tell you, the Father is still keeping that promise. He's still keeping that promise. He's still with you. Because that's who he is. That's who he is. David recognized this fact. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk though I through walk the valley of the shadow the of death. Of the shadow of death. I will fear I'm no not evil. afraid of anything. For thou art because, with me. Because. It doesn't matter. It looks like death to me, but that doesn't matter. But I, I'm not afraid because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, rod they comfort, staff me. comfort me. I'm telling you, I'm not afraid because 
God is with me. David recognized it. Ezekiel recognized it. Ezekiel saw a lot of things. He had a lot of visions. But listen to what he said in the closing moments of his prophetic book. Ezekiel 48 verse 35. He was round about 18,000 measures. measures. And the name of the city from that that day shall be the Lord is there. The Lord is is there. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, wherever you're at today, the Lord is there. In your despair, the Lord is there. In your sickness, the Lord is there. In your confusion, the Lord is there. In your disappointment, the Lord is there. In your financial troubles, the Lord is there. In your family troubles, the Lord is there. Is anybody hearing me today? He's with us. This is the the promise of the Father. Yes, sir. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Hananiah, Mishael, hallelujah, Azariah. You know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shadrach, Mishael, Midgul. That's their Babylonian names that glorify the Babylonian gods. But their Hebrew names glorified Jehovah God. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, you bow down and worship this idol. And they said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. I didn't have to think about it, Brother Larson. I'm not worried about what you're going to do. Nebuchadnezzar said, who is that God that's going to deliver you out of my hand? They said, look, our God can deliver us from the fire. But if not, he's still going to deliver us from your hand. And guess what happened when they got in the middle of the fire? The father kept his promise. Nebuchadnezzar looked down in there and said, wait, 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 wait. I thought we threw three men bound into the fire. But I see not three men loose. I see four down there walking. Because God's with us. Even in the fire, God's with us. Even when the world rejects us, God's with us. Daniel can't pray anymore, according to the law. And as soon as the law is passed and he finds out about it, the first thing he does, break the law. Now, look, let me give the disclaimer here for legal intents and purposes. Don't try this at home. I'm talking about breaking the law. Unless the law defies God's law. And that was the case with Daniel. Daniel wasn't dealing with speed limits and filing income tax. He was dealing with, you can't pray. Now, if they pass a law that says you can't pray, you have every right to defy that law. It's kind of like telling kids they can't pray in school. I can promise you when those shooters walk through those doors, It's not just the kids praying. 
So, Daniel, in fact, Daniel just, he was kind of, he wasn't kind of, Daniel was very bold about it. Daniel didn't just go get in the closet and try to hide what he was doing. He just went over and opened his window up. Read it. And he prayed just like he'd always prayed. And boy, they thought they had him. They're going to throw him in the lion's den now. The king didn't even want to do it. The king did not want to do it. The king loved Daniel. But the king knew he couldn't break the law that he had put into existence. So he threw Daniel in the lion's den. King couldn't even sleep. He was so worried about Daniel. Read it. It's there. He was so worried about Daniel, he couldn't sleep. Early the next morning, he went running to the lion's den. And he said, Daniel! Was the God that you serve able to deliver you? And he listened. And a voice came back. O king, live forever. My father kept his promise. He showed up in the lion's den. He shut the lion's mouths. You did what the law said you had to do. You threw me down here. That's all that was required. But my father kept his promise. I'm here trying to get across to somebody today that this is the way our father is. Throw Paul and Silas in the prison. But I'm going to tell you, our father is going to keep his promise. Put John on the Isle of Patmos. But our father is going to keep his promise. Listen to me. He hasn't changed. He is the Lord. He doesn't change. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Whatever you're going through, whatever lion's den you're in, whatever fiery furnace you're experiencing, whatever Isle of Patmos, amen, that you're living on right now, look around. You may not see him. You may not feel him. But he sent me with a message for you today. The Father is still keeping his promise. He's still... Keeping his promise. Oh, hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. So, so that's God as the Father on this Father's Day. But how could I deliver a Father's Day message and not? Speak to the earthly fathers that are here. Let me tell you the application of everything I have just said. The promise that was above every other promise. The most significant promise the father made to his children. Was, I'll be with you. I won't I'm here to tell you today, if there is one thing that a wife and children need to know, it's that the father is going to be there. That's right. yes, sir. 
I said it earlier, I say it again today. I believe one of the worst things facing our nation today is the overwhelming number of single family homes where the father is not present. Now I'm not talking about somebody that's abusive needs to stick around. Please don't, don't try to twist what I'm saying. He's not really being a father if he's being abusive. He's certainly not following the example of the heavenly father. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being there as a godly example. Being faithful. Being committed. I'm saying today that if there is anything that we as fathers need to do, we need to make up in our minds, there's one promise I'm going to keep. My wife and my children will never have to wonder whether I'm going to be there or not. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't ever, don't ever threaten to walk out. They may walk out on you. That happens to God. There are people who walk out on God. But God will keep his promise. And I'm here to tell you, again, please hear me. This selfish society that we live in today, this selfish society we live in today, has put it in to people that if I'm not happy, I should leave. I have to be happy. I have to be pleased. I'm going to tell you, in your life and in my life, there's been many times God was not pleased. But not one time did God pack his bags and walk out. There have been many times God was not happy. Come on, be honest. Many times God was not happy, but never once did God walk out. Now, if we choose to walk out on him, that's a different story. But God is not going to make that move. He's made a promise he's going to keep. He's made a promise he has shown from the beginning of time that he would keep his promise. And I'm telling you, that ought to be in the heart of every man. We're going to be there. I'm going to be there for my family. They're going to be able to count on me. I'm going to be what they need me to be. I'm going to provide a spiritual example. They're going to hear me praying. They're going to see me reading my Bible. They're going to watch me worship. They're going to know I'm going to church. This whole problem. Women having to ch raise children without a father figure. Listen, this is the consequence of what started decades ago. What was called the sexual revolution. It used to be, again, a man's word was his bond, but there used to be a taboo on extramarital affairs. 
It was a shame even among sinners. In fact, at one time there was a law against it in many states. Somebody said, well, you can't legislate morality. I beg to differ with you. Every act of legislation reflects somebody's morality. Is murder immoral? So are we going to lift the laws against murder? Because you can't legislate morality. No, you, you can. Now you can't put morality in somebody's heart. But there are people who refrain from certain things because they know it's against the law. Look, I, I, was, in, I was in a country in Africa many years ago. This was way back in 2001. And, and I was riding with a missionary, and he was doing probably 80 or 90 miles an hour. And, and the speed limit was probably 50. I said, man, what are, you, what, what are you doing? He said, well, they don't care about speed limits here. They put a sign up, they don't care. Well, you know, if there's no real law, then people do what they want to do. And, and what we are creating today is a lawless society. Oh, Lord, I, I could teach on this a long time. The Bible talks about the spirit of antichrist, and it is the spirit of iniquity. That word iniquity actually in the original Greek means lawlessness. That's what's going on in the world today is this spirit of lawlessness. Nobody wants to answer to anybody else. You can't tell me what to do with my body. Oh, really? Really? So then why are you mandating that I get a shot? Whoops, I wasn't supposed to say that because I... You're telling me what to do with my body. Doesn't work that way, you see. Uh, there are laws that keep me from, from using my body to attack other people. There are laws that tell me what I can and can't do with my body. This just makes too much sense. I, I, can't, I can't talk this way. It makes too much sense. Um, how did I even get into this? Jesus, help me. But I'm going to tell you what we're facing today. The biggest problem, I'm convinced of this, the biggest problem we're facing is the lack of godly examples of fathers in the homes today. There are moms, and bless your heart if you're one of them. I'm telling you, I mean that. My heart goes out to you. Amen, amen, amen. You've got to try to negotiate the troubled waters of today's society on your own. My heart goes out to you. But shame on the men that have brought that about. 
shame on the men who have refused to be man enough to stand up and do what's right. To take responsibility. To provide a godly example. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Studies are too numerous to mention to prove the ill effects of the absence of a father on a home. I can't go through all of them, but listen to just a couple. Here is one that said boys without fathers are ten times more likely to go to prison. Ten times more likely to go to prison. Because they don't have a father that will teach them what to do. If there ever was a time in which men need to step up to the plate and be men, it's now. Children need a father. And they need to know that that father is going to be there for them all the time. One source that I found said nearly 25 million children are growing up in America without fathers, making America the world's leader in fatherless families. In just the state of Massachusetts, over one-third of the families have no father living at home. Over one-third. What a world. What a world. I'm telling you, this is why I spent the time that I did before I ever got started saying, thank God for the men of the truth church. Thank God for the fathers that are here. Thank God for the men that are willing to set an example, to teach their children, not to send them to church, but to bring them to church. Men that are willing to show them what it is to pray and to praise. Thank God for men that will be examples. Listen, we're living in a world, church, and, and I know for some of you it's hard for you to understand this, but we're living in a world that when I get to preaching about God as a heavenly father, it's hard for some people we deal with today to really comprehend that because their earthly father is not someone they want God to be like. Well, you start talking about God being like a father, and they're thinking that's the last thing I want. Now, I'm thankful for my father. I'm thankful for the things my father put in me. I'm thankful for the examples that he set. There are things my dad taught me, things he showed me. I'm thankful for it. But I understand not everybody had that privilege. There are people suffering today because they don't have it. And there are men today who didn't have the example before them, and so they don't know how to be an example before their children. Well, I started to say, is this all right? It doesn't matter if it's all right or not. It's needed. Somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it. We've gone too long without people saying it. We've gone too long with people being afraid to say it. We've got to make a stand in this day and age. And if there's anything worth fighting for, it's our families. 
If there's anything worth defending, it's our families. Listen to me. You're not going to take your expensive clothes to heaven. You're not going to take your fancy car to heaven. You're not going to take your nice home to heaven. But you can take your children to heaven. You can train them up in such a way that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. You can put something in them uh, that they want to live for God, that they want to be a part of the church. That's what I'm calling on men to do in this hour. We got to rise up uh, and follow the example of our Heavenly Father and make a promise. You can count on me. I'm going to be there. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. There are some valuable lessons that a father is supposed to teach his children. And again, let's go back and look at this. Let's go back to John 14, verse 26. Read for me. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, uh he shall teach you all things. He shall do what? Teach. He shall teach. Now we talked about the Holy Ghost being the fulfillment of God's promise to be with us. And here Jesus clearly states that one of the purposes in him being with us is to teach us. Not to make us feel goosebumps. I like it when the goosebumps come. Not to make us jump and dance. And I like it when that happens. But he comes to teach us all things. And, and bring all things, bring to, all your things remembrance. to your remembrance. Whatsoever, Whatsoever I've, I've said unto you. John 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the, when spirit, he, the of truth spirit is come, of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever ye, he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He's not just with us strictly to protect us. He's with us to teach us. And that's what we should be doing. We should be teaching our children. It's easy to instruct from a distance. But it's hard to teach unless you're present. Well, do I need to say that again? It's easy to instruct from a distance. But it's hard to teach unless you're present. And he didn't just come to instruct us. He came to teach us. Now, I thought Brother Hilton was just going to read everything that I Intended to read this morning. Um, But I'm going to read it again anyhow. I want you to listen to the statements in Proverbs that Solomon specifically wrote as a father. Listen to what he says. Proverbs 1 and 8. My son... Hear the instruction of thy father. Hear the instruction of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother. mother. 
Proverbs 2 and 1. My son, if my thou wilt receive my words, receive my word, and hide my commandments hide with my thee. Hide my commandments with thee. Proverbs 3 and 1. My son, forget not, forget my, law, not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Proverbs 3.21. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound keep wisdom, sound and, wisdom discretion. and discretion. Proverbs 4 and 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. The years of thy life shall be many. Proverbs 4 and 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Proverbs 5 and 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding. Proverbs 6.20. My son, keep thy commandments. Keep thy, thy father's, father's commandments. And forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 7 and 1. My son, keep my commandments and lay up my commandments with thee. Now listen to me. I, I could keep going through this, but I want to drive home this point. That here is what the father is telling his son. He said, you've got to be obedient. You can't always do what you want to do. Over and over and over. He said, keep my commandments, keep my commandments, keep my commandments. This is Solomon talking to his son. You can't just do what you want to do. You can't just live a life that pleases you. You're going to destroy yourself if you decide what's best for you all the time. you got to listen to your father. Now, if you don't have an earthly father that's godly and is going to guide you, you, you need to listen to your spiritual father. But you need to listen to somebody else. You've got to be obedient. That's the first thing that he stressed to his son. Second thing, Proverbs 1 and 10. My son, if sinners entice if thee, sinners entice consent, thee, consent thou, not. thou not. Proverbs 1.15. My son, walk not thou in the way Don't which walk with, in the them. Way with them. Refrain thy Refrain foot, from their, foot path. from their path. The, the principle number two is this. First of all is be obedient. Everyone say be obedient. Number two is be careful. Everyone say be careful. Here's what I'm saying when I say be careful. The company you keep will affect your lifestyle. Who you hang around will have an impact on you. That's why we don't announce some conferences. That's why we don't. Some events we don't make public. Because whoever you hang around is going to have an impact on you. It will affect you. Be careful. Number three. Proverbs 3.11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Number three is accept discipline. Everyone say accept discipline. Because it's for your own good. Brother Hilton talked about that today too, being disciplined. Here's, here's the thing about it is I know he accepts it. And we've got to be accepting of any correction, any discipline. This is a part of what God expects for us, and it's something we got to teach our kids. Listen to me. Listen to me. We don't just let kids make their own decisions. That's the worst thing you can do. Now, there comes a time they have to make decisions, but you need to be putting the principles in them to help them know what decisions to make. This stuff about letting a kindergartner decide what gender they are. First of all, that was decided 
when they were conceived. There's no decision to be made. Second of all, here's another one of those weird discrepancies. 18-year-olds shouldn't be able to get a hold of a gun. Oh, but six-year-olds should get hormone blockers and decide what their gender is. That makes sense. Not. I'm not, I'm not pushing for everybody to be armed and loaded. But I'm just saying, let's be consistent, all right? If you don't think an 18-year-old doesn't have the right to carry a gun, then first of all, let's stop letting them enlist in the army at 18. But beyond that, you want to take that away from them at 18? That's whatever. That can be discussed on the political forum, whatever. But don't start trying to tell me that every young child has enough wisdom and sense to know what they want to do with life-changing situations. I can't, I'm going to tell you, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I would never dreamed I would even have to say these things in a church service. Oh, it was going on. In fact, when I pastored in Colorado, just two hours from me was one of the um, most sought after doctors in the world when it came to sex change operations. Now, that's what they used to call it. They don't, they don't call it that anymore, but that's what they used to call it. But this guy was, he was one of the most sought after in the world. This has been going on for a long time. But I never dreamed we would get to the place where they want to allow children at four and five and six years old to make these decisions. And to give them drugs that we don't even know yet what the long-term effects of these drugs are going to be on these kids. In fact, I was reading a study that some of these have already been shown to, to destroy bone density. And they start a kid on this at five years old. I'm telling you, it's child abuse is what it is. It's child abuse. I'll say it if nobody else will say it. It's child abuse. And anybody that does it, oh, how brave do I get today? Ought to be locked up. Come on. It, it, look, it's not that complicated. You're a boy or you're a girl. That's not that hard. Oh, well, help me, Jesus. Accept discipline. This is what they don't want to do. They don't want to discipline anybody. They don't want to, they don't want to hurt their kids. They, they don't want, they don't want to... to to, to hurt little Herkimer, and so we can't even give him a failing grade anymore. We have to just pass him because it might hurt his psyche. 
Sometimes his psyche needs to be hurt along with another part of his anatomy. Now that's just Bible. That's just Bible. Somebody said, the, the Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. No, that was Benjamin Franklin. That was not Bible. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. That's what the Bible says. Ben Franklin was trying to be nice about it. God's just honest. All right, I got to get off. Lord, help me. Which one of you is making me do all this this morning? I want to know who's, who's pulling this out of me today. Oh, maybe it's just been too long since I have had my opportunity. And my time is up, and I'm not done. So we're going to hurry very quickly. Give me just a few moments here. Number three is accept discipline, Proverbs 5.20. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? The fourth principle that he said to teach your son is to keep yourself morally clean. Oh, well, kids are going to do it. Not if you teach them right. Not if you'll handle things properly. Now, I'm not convinced the church has done it right. I'm just being honest with you. That's another discussion for another day. I'm not convinced the church as a whole has done it right. But I'm telling you, if it's done right and it's done biblically, you can keep kids morally clean. It can be done. Proverbs 6, 1 through 3, i got to hurry. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver myself. When thou art come unto the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Now, now let me just put it as, as clear as I can. Don't make guarantees you can't keep. I'm just talking about principles. Solomon said he wanted to get into his son, and we ought to be getting into our kids. Don't make guarantees you can't keep. Don't promise something that you can't come through on. Proverbs 19, 27. Cease, my son, to hear instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Oh, this is a good one. I wish I had more time. I don't have more time. I don't have enough time, but, but this is a good one. Cease, my son, to hear instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. You know what this means? Compare all the advice that you receive with God's word. Ignore anything that doesn't line up to this book. I don't care who's giving you the advice. I don't care how smart you think they are. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how many books they've written. I don't care how many TV shows they've appeared on. If they're not giving you the words that are in accordance with the knowledge of God, then you reject it and don't listen to it. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 24, 13. Oh boy, this is where I get crucified. Proverbs 24, 13. My son, eat thou honey, because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste. Riggin translation, take care of your body. It's the only one you have. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I know I almost became a megachurch. 
Some of you will get that later. Take care of your body. Take care of it. Uh, this doesn't mean working out 12 hours a day and eating only carrots and broccoli. I enjoyed a little bit of a donut this morning myself. But take care of your body. It really is the temple of God. And God does want us to take care of it. All right, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. It's getting real quiet. <clears throat> Number eight, Proverbs 24, 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Fear the Lord and the king. Number eight is simply submit to authority. Both civil and spiritual. Submit to authority. Amen, amen. We need to be teaching the upcoming generations to submit to authority. Now, again, when, when authority gets out of bounds of God's law, that's, we're not, please don't try to read between the lines. But we do need to have some respect for authority. Proverbs 23, 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. All right, Proverbs 23, 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Proverbs 23, 24 through 26. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. Now, I want to really stress this, and then I'm going to move on to the final scripture. i got one more scripture, but I want you to notice this. He said, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. He that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad. Proverbs 27, verse 11. My son, be, my son, wise, be wise, and make, and my, make heart my heart glad. Glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. You know, my mind went back a number of years ago. I was standing at the bedside of a dear friend as he was about to draw his final breath. Brother Brent Calvert and I had had developed a close friendship. And I was there at his house that day, along with his wife, his dad. His daughter was there, his son, it was more than he could stand, and he had slipped out. I was there when Brother Calvert breathed his last, as the scripture would say. And what a touching thing it was that immediately after we knew he was gone, Elder Calvert was standing at his bedside and began to tell my son, whatever caused you one moment's He said he never did anything to make me ashamed. 
He said, I was always proud to be his father. How amazing and humbling it was to hear this man say, I wish I could be as great as my son. But let me tell you something the elder was too humble to realize. There was a reason Brother Brent Calvert was who he was. He didn't get there that way by accident. He wasn't just born a good kid, but he had a good daddy that taught him the right things, that put the right things in him. And how amazing to be present that day and know that this dad was proud of the son that he would raise. I want to tell you, it took correction, discipline, love. It took a lot of things to raise a son like that. Most of all, it took the fact that the elder was always proud. He was there for his son. That's my message today on this Father's Day. The promise that our Heavenly Father made, that I will always be there, is a promise every one of us ought to make. And even to the moms, and again, if you're a single mom having to raise your kids, sometimes you've got to fill that role too. And you've got to be the one doing the teaching. But if there's anything your kids need to know, is that I'm going to be here for you. My kids haven't always made the decisions I want them to make. Haven't always done the things I wanted them to do. But I think my kids know they can call me anytime. I'm going to be there. That was the promise of the Father. And it's the promise every Father needs to make. Let's stand this morning. I've gone way over time. Why don't we lift our hands and talk to the Lord right now, everybody?